are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for keeping it Locked On Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke. Very, very uh, happy to announce that uh, we've got one uh, guy that I grew up listening to, reading, um, a fellow Saguaro Cougar, and basically one of the few people in the city that if I need U of A basketball knowledge about something in the past that I will lean on, Mr. William Brad Alice. Hello, William. I think it's safe to say I'm the second most uh, accomplished uh, radio professional from uh, Saguaro High School. Find yourself. We just we just make we we, we make gold over there, Brad. First of all, uh, fill the people in a little bit on uh, what you've been doing. Well, you know, currently just kind of out of the writing uh, version and uh, just doing the podcast. Brought the podcast version. I don't know what are we at three point oh back in in December. Ironically enough, it was my wife's boss who encouraged me to do it and made sure my wife got me a nice uh, condenser mic for uh, Christmas. I've been doing the Wildcat Sports Report podcast since December, and little did I know more news would break after March uh, than before. And it's been about a twice to three times a week uh, venture. So doing that, uh, you can find that on all your uh, podcast locations, Apple, Google, Spotify, or follow me on Twitter, WSR Brad, which was ironic because I wasn't doing the WSR for a while, but kept the moniker, and now it's working out again. Okay, so what do they search for when they go on looking for your podcast? Wildcat Sports Report podcast. It may actually be under the Wildcat Sports Report Wildcast. Um, someone may have taken Wildcast, but I was there first. <laughs> right, ab- absolutely. All right, Brad, we're, uh, we are got a lot to get to this show. We're going to talk about some uh, Arizona football in a little bit what are reasonable expectations but I wanted to talk some Arizona basketball and I know that he hasn't been a head coach before and I know guys like Gilbert Arenas aren't happy with the hire but I'll be quite honest with you Brad I am ecstatic with the hire mainly because when you watch Gonzaga basketball when you watch uh, what Tommy Lloyd has talked about this is going to be a style far more of what you and I grew up watching and up and down, keep the ball moving type style that I think is going to be aesthetically pleasing to a lot of U of A fans and harbor back some old memories to the Lute Olsen era. Not that he's yeah, going to be that good, but yeah, go ahead. I think it's ironic because in many ways, Mark Few is the disciple of Lute Olsen that never was. Uh, a lot of what Mark Few has done at Gonzaga has been modeled at what Lute Olson did at Arizona in terms of style of play, in terms of offense and defense. I mean, if you were to squint, uh, you would swear some of those Gonzaga teams were some of those Lute Olson teams. And Mark Few and Lute Olson had a pretty solid relationship. They, they admired each other, even if Lute wouldn't go to Spokane for a game. So I think in, in many ways, what uh, you know, he does, uh, Tommy Lloyd now, but uh, what Mark Few does at Gonzaga more resembles what Lou Olson did than a lot of these other Lou Olson uh, former protégés, whether former players or former assistants, have run anywhere. I mean, your guy is KO. We all know that, but <laughs> KO did not run a style in college that resembled Lou Olson at all. I, I don't see a lot of Lou Olson. I see you know a little more Calipari in what Josh Pastner has done at Georgia Tech. So I think if you wanted style of play that most resembles loot, you'd be hard-pressed 
uh, to find anyone more perfectly suited than what it appears Tommy Lloyd will run uh, now with the Wildcats. And there's a lot of questions about, you know, how can he recruit? What kind of players can he bring in? But honestly, Brad, that doesn't really worry me in the least. I just, I'm just more curious about the X's and O's because when you're one of the, when you're the lead recruiter at Gonzaga and you've got the international ties that he has, you're gonna ha- you're going to have a solid recruiting foundation. Then you look at it; he already has hit gold with Dylan Anderson, and you're looking at possibly bringing in Ty Ty Washington out of Phoenix. I don't think that recruiting, especially if he wins, is going to be any bit of or any of an issue for him. You know, you know, Dylan Anderson an- answered a lot of questions for me, and I think keeping Jack Murphy and Jason Terry will go along and help. Because I think if you're looking at the few former players Lute Olsen brought in, Terry's really kind of been the most successful recruiting when you compare him to Miles or, or Damon, who didn't particularly recruit great while they were at Arizona. Uh, they've done some good things since. But the other thing is, to me, the really the questions are, in recruiting, does he have the ties solo when you're in a pinch and they're kind of in a pinch now with the point guard position, you know, if they can land tie tie, that answers a big question, but you know, Sean Miller was really, really good at filling in those roster gaps uh, when they were unexpected, whether it was going out and finding a, a, a you know, a, a big man, whether it was going out and finding a transfer when you need it, they weren't always necessary enough to take him over the hump. But a lot like Lou Olson, you know, Lou Olson was able to go find uh, Ivan Radinovich when they were out of big men and found him mid-year. Uh, does Tommy Lloyd have, I'm sure he has the connections, but does he have the closing ability to, to do that? And we're going to find out because they're going to have somewhere between three and five roster spots, depending on what happens with with the two Shanes. And how do they fill that? If they miss on Ty Ty, do they have a backup uh, to fill that point guard spot. If they lose out on one of these, you know, signees, who, if they opt out, is there another combo guard or guard they can go get uh, in a pinch to fill that roster? To me, that's the big question. Because once Arizona starts winning again, recruiting shouldn't be the issue. Um, I don't worry about him recruiting three classes from now when he has, you know, three years to recruit a guy. What can he do when he knows he needs someone in Tucson in six months much like Miller did last offseason, much like we've seen Miller do uh, with like a Dusan Ristics, who kind of came out of nowhere to fill a very key role and ended up being a great four-year player for Arizona. Yeah, I'm also of the opinion that unlike a lot of coaches that take over for a fired coach, that he's kind of set up for success early on, Tommy Lloyd is. You look at it and you've got, uh, you've obviously still got a hold of point, totally get that. But I think Kirk Creesa is a guy that ha- feels like a Gonzaga-type player. Ben Matherin is an NBA player. Azulis Tabellis is an all-conference guy. I'm not wild about the big men, but when I look up and down this roster, I see a team that probably won't beat UCLA or Oregon next year, but I see a team that I would probably pick to be third in the conference, and if you're a first-year coach taking over, that's a win. No, and I think this is certainly a team that is capable of making the tournament. Uh, if the matchups break their way, this could be a second weekend team. And I think that would be huge uh, in year one. And that's putting a lot of pressure on them. But one of the reasons I think a lot of us were hesitant to get rid of Miller when they did was to keep the roster. And assuming it goes the way it looks like it's going, other than James Akinjo, who might have had a foot out the door anyways, you're going to return the bulk of this roster. You know, Matherin, Dallin Terry, the bigs. And while the bigs may not be the most talented, those four guys 
provide a variety of matchup nightmares, I think, for a lot of teams when you can go super athletic, you can go super skilled with Tubelas, you've kind of got a grinder in, in Jordan Brown. So I think they're very intriguing. To me, the biggest problem right now is, is Kirk Creesa a tournament point guard? And if he is, who's his backup? And if he's not, who's the guy? But really, that's the big question because across the board otherwise, the, the roster looks pretty nice. It may not be super deep, but, you know, how many teams would like Matherin and Terry on the wing? How many teams would like four bigs like Arizona has right now? How many guys, you know, would like a combo guard like Creesa? I think there's probably about 300 out of, what, the 320 teams that w- would trade rosters with Arizona right now. Brad, would we, when you look back at the uh, Sean Miller era, what will what will your initial or excuse me, what are your thoughts when you think back and about the 12 year era under Sean Miller at the U of A? Uh, You know, to me, the big question, and it's the one we'll never have answered. Did Sean Miller have, was the process trust the, was it interrupted by the FBI or was it never there? Did he just strike gold in that TJ McConnell, uh, uh, roster Mm -hmm. that with those guys you know coming back and really keeping the core even though they lost nick johnson in year one uh but the bulk of that roster was together with zeus in the middle um you know was it just did he strike lightning like we've seen other guys do and have not repeated you know look at what uh marshall did before his uh abject failure at wichita state or shaka smart you sometimes you catch fire with a roster or did it get interrupted? Would he have landed, say, uh, Shimmy Shaitu, Bull Bull, uh, Javon Quinterly, and would he have just repeated that had the FBI thing not happened? And that's going to be the great mystery because right now he becomes the guy who couldn't get over the hump, and and for lack of you know even evidence, right now he's the guy who cheated, even though it appears it was his assistant. So I think it's an incomplete uh, one that was certainly successful, but maybe not Arizona successful. Brad Ellis has played a little bit of hockey and currently he's playing hockey in his life. And Brad played a little bit of football. And if you see Brad, you can tell that Brad's knocked the weights around a little bit in the gym. And you know what? Brad Ellis looks like the kind of guy that would consume a built bar because honestly, built bars taste good. They're loaded with protein. And for the active man like Brad or somebody like myself trying to get back in there and trying to get back and muscular built bar is what helps you get through the workout because you know that it's going to taste really, really good at the end. And it's going to give you the results you want. Locked on wildcats is brought to you by BetOnline.ag, Where is the best spot to be able to find all of your information joined again by William Brad Alice and William, where can they find your, uh, you've got your own podcast going, where can they find it? Yeah, it's the wildcat sports report podcast. You can find it on uh, any of the platforms, Spotify, uh, Google, Apple, uh, just look up Wildcat Sports Report and I pop right up. Right. Okay. Awesome. All right. U of A football spring game observation times. Jed Fish wasn't the hire that I would have made, and he's still not the hire I would have made, but there are a couple good things. He certainly has shown that he can recruit a higher level of guy than Sumlin or probably Richrod had, at least from a star metric ranking and transfers. My question, though, when I look at this team, and again, I've been to quite a few practices and I watch the uh, I watch the scrimmage. This is not a good team. This is a team that I think they're over under in Vegas will probably be about two and a half or three wins, and that's going to really be, I think, the test to see if Jed Fish can keep this community momentum going because it's cool right now. New guy in town, kind of the new flashy new object, but 
you know better than anybody, Brad, living this your entire life, that if you start losing games, then the smiles and all of that, that kind of goes by the wayside. Yeah, but I think you have to do it hand in hand because if you look at it, Mike Stoops was able to keep the goodwill going longer than the win-loss record uh, suggested. Conversely, Rich Rod, I think his win-loss record justified bigger crowds that they just didn't get, but they weren't family-friendly. They weren't uh, public-friendly. Well, I think Stoops actually, you know, for all his uh, screaming at the officials and all that, he was actually very savvy in trying to get his players and the right players in front of people. So I think Jed Fish probably has a year, maybe two years, that he can buy some time. But what he needs to do in year one is what Stoops did in year one, and that is it doesn't have to be a huge increase in wins and losses, but it, they better look good doing it. You know, if you're going to lose, you better lose, you know, 27-20 as opposed to 70-7. to You better look like an improved team. And I think that's the big question I have about the staff that I just can't answer. Can they develop these guys and take guys who, frankly, are, are a lot of two-star talent? Um, and can they make them play like three-star players? And can can they get more out of the four-stars that they bring in then Rich Rod was able to. Rich Rod brought in a host of four stars, and none of them. I don't Literally think any none of, of them, them panned out. Whereas you look at Mike Stoops, he brought in Rob Gronkowski, and save for the back injury, Rob Gronkowski was as advertised. Willie Tuitama was pretty close to as advertised. Even though he didn't play for him, you know, a guy like Kadeem Carey uh, was pretty much as advertised. So they got the most out of those guys. Rich Rod really didn't. Sumlin, it's an incomplete. We just don't know. It looks like they kind of mailed that in. So can they wring every ounce of talent out of these kids and then upgrade the talent? Because that's the next step. Because you're right. Right now, I mean, there's a whole lot of guys you were competing with North Texas for, with Utah State for. And you can do that for a few guys at the bottom of each class. You know, I, I, people joke about the OKGs. But you know what? I want to see Jed Fish going up against Iowa State. Oregon State right away, Texas Tech, and then in three years, he better be going up against ASU, UCLA, even Oregon and USC for a guy here and there if you're going to make this program. Because at the end of the day, you know, Mike Stoops didn't beat USC in a lot of recruiting battles, but he beat him in a few and he finished second in a whole bunch. And that's why he sent a quite, you know, quite a few guys to the NFL, whereas Rich Rod and someone have sit next to nobody to the NFL. And I think what's also going to be imperative to watch here and again this shouldn't be the end-all be-all but this is a lot and I know that people say this all the time and I've never really bought into it but unfortunately I'm buying into ASU football this year I think they're going to be really really good and that's something where Arizona is going to need to be able to put the pedal to the metal and try to close this gap because if ASU is a top 15 team all year and Arizona is winning two or three games it just becomes all the more glaring that what the heck have we been doing here for the last four or five years Brad yeah, you know, and again, I think you have the opportunity, and I think they blew it because while I would certainly say the hire at ASU has been good, I don't think the results on the field have necessarily been as good as the talent in place. But if that starts matching up, which it could, uh, then, yeah, Arizona has a lot of work to do. So you actually, while they were stockpiling talent, they, were, they, were, they did the opposite of Todd Graham. Todd Graham brought in all those JC guys and then had some gaps. Well, they've just been stockpiling young guys, and all those young guys now that they've been stockpiling are juniors, seniors. Some are going to be sophomores who play. 
And if they start winning, yeah, it gets awfully tough because right now they haven't really mined uh, the Phoenix area a whole lot. They've been very content to, to kind of go head-to-head and kind of almost supplant UCLA and LA. They've picked out their you know some Texas kids. And Arizona still has a window where they're actually doing as well in state as ASU, maybe even a tiny bit better. But if suddenly ASU is a 9-10-11 win team, then they don't even have to recruit. They can just open the door and say, come on in, local talent, and there's enough there that if they can add the local talent to the kids they're getting out of L.A., getting out of Texas, heck, they're going to the southeast and even landing some kids, then ASU could kind of be what Oregon's been the last few years, and that's a legitimate threat, at least for a few years, to to what USC should be but isn't right now. Here's where I struggle with Arizona football. And again, we're joined by Mr. William Brad Alice. You can find his podcast, uh, WSR Brad. Brad, the question, though, that I keep coming back to is what is a legitimate time frame for Arizona football to be good? Because this team that I see out there right now, and again, I don't, I'm not beating up the kids here. I'm beating up the previous coaching staff for probably having a roster full of guys that probably aren't quite U of A good. Now, there's certainly some exceptions, no doubt about that. But I look at this team, and I'm thinking, okay, they're about a three-win team. I don't necessarily see the quarterback of the future on the roster right now. So you're hoping that maybe it's the kid out of Servite coming in next year. But, I mean, he's far from a sure thing. So what is the, what's the game plan? When should a U of A fan look at it and say, you know what, I'm going to bite – I'm going to grit my teeth, but you know what? By this time in the day, this time in the year, we are going to have a certain amount of wins, and we're going to have a winning record as a result. You know, I I think you you look for the slow build. I think it's probably you hope to get that three or four wins uh, this year, and that's going to mean they jump out of the gate really strong and win two out of three, if not all three, in the non-conference. And I think they have to continue to do what they've done and probably mine the transfer market. Um, because that is where you might find the quick fix at quarterback. Uh, you know, instead of getting Washington State and, you know, South Florida's cast off, maybe you're getting the guy from, you know, Alabama or Texas or Texas A&M who wants to come in and start right away. Um, and there, those guys are there. You know, they don't all wind up at Ohio State and LSU. Uh, some trickle down to other power fives. But if Jed Fish can – prove that he is a the quarterback coach that some think he is then maybe you can start getting those guys and you get a guy to come in for a year or two and then by then you start stockpiling these young guys who start proving uh they are what they are and then you build it so i think you know if you can hit the transfer market strong you've got uh two or three years uh and you're in a bowl game and then you see if you can't capitalize on that success He's Brad Alice, and Brad, we're going to have you on on a weekly basis. This was fun, especially during the summer. It's going to be really fun to nerd out about our top five players at all positions, go back and forth. But again, really appreciate you hopping on, my man, and uh, we'll talk with you again next week. Sounds good. Anytime. Thanks again. That's For Brad Alice, I'm Mike Luke. This has been Locked On Wildcats.